0: Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, welcome back, returning friend. She's my sister in the struggle of breast cancer, Suzette Simon. Suzette is the founder of New York Last, a New York-based nonprofit that produces free comedy events in public spaces to inspire audiences, enrich the lives of New Yorkers, and connect people through humor. It also works to deepen an appreciation of the art of stand-up comedy, a unique New York cultural asset. She is also the creator of an awareness campaign called hashtag strong black boobs, which aims to increase breast health awareness and heighten self-esteem among breast cancer patients of color through humor filled posts. And we talk about possibly breast cancer, Barbie. Anyone? Have you seen it? Also welcome to the show Ashima Franklin, no relation, but you never know. I had a fun dad, but I know she knows her dad. Originally from Alabama, Ashima Franklin and I second this. She has a girl-next-door personality that mixes with her no-holds-barred delivery to form a hilarious comedy routine that's inspired by her real-world situations as a working baby mama. Ashima rose to fame after appearances on Showtime's Catpocalypse and having toured the country with comedian Cat Williams. And she's been seen on bounce TVs from the string. I am so excited to have Ashima here. She's so hilarious. You're going to instantly fall in love with her on February 2nd at The Secret Group presented by The Comedy Space in Houston, Texas. Yes, it's my first time performing in Houston, so check me out. Also on February 10th, I'll be returning to headline in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at the Still Stacks Arts Center. Go to marinafranklin.com for those tickets. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto download function for friends like us. On Apple Podcasts, you can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast, and Twitter is us 10 Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friends like us. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now for our golden friends, you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage. We record every Monday. Go to Patreon backslash friends like us and be. Golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies. Get your hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks and tank tops. They're all available. Just go to marinafranklin.com Saturdays on my YouTube channel. I go live with my wacky friend Dave Juskow. Check it out. Go to my YouTube channel. We give updates to the show. We shout out fans who leaves us reviews and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by and sometimes we offer free stop like tickets to comedy shows. With friends like us, it will help you feel not so alone because more content it's on the way tell a friend you know to check us out stay safe wash those dirty little hands be nice and black lives matter i've got ashima franklin no relation (laughs) but maybe because i had a fun dad she's a comedian she's from alabama she's so funny (laughs) And we have her and Susan Simon. She's my sister in the struggle. We're surviving breast cancer warriors. Barbie beautiful. Yay. Yeah. And she's funny. Too. <laughs> So I want to thank you both so much for joining me today And Friends Like Us. Ashima, this is your first time doing the podcast. We've been trying to get you on for so
1: long. How are you? I am wonderful. And I was so excited to be on the podcast today. I mean, I hit you up. I said, Marina, I got my big brand new Mac Pro Book for uh, Christmas. And now I can do the podcast. Now I just got to figure out how to work the camera. (laughs) We I know because seeing you is so much is part of I know, I know I am really I'm figuring hopefully my roommate walks in while I'm on mute because he's real uh computer friendly and he could come in and kind of press the button and get me on camera. So hopefully y'all hopefully uh, y'all well, get to see my PJs before this session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I bet you has the cutest PJs. I can only imagine I'm a PJ
1: person. I, I'm in pajamas all day every day. That's
0: that's my thing. I love PJs too, but I won't get no I won't get work done.
1: You you won't <laughs> you won't get work
0: done. I've done it. I've yesterday I was in like just the bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had the bottoms of the PJs and I just I mean, and I had a lot to do yesterday, and I was just like, I can't seem to motivate, Suzette. Hey, hi, ha- happy New Year to you, sister. Happy the struggle. New how you, Year.
2: Happy New Year. How are you boons? feeling? Happy New Everything. I'm feeling great. It's me and Team Tadas all the way. I'm I'm feeling good. You know, me and my MVPs, my most valuable pair. I'm all about the Breast Resilience Association. Bra, bra, bra. And it's an election year, too. So I want people to vote for my boobs. Vote for my boobs. Vote boobs. Vote boobs. Liberals should vote for boobs because these are woke boobs. And also the mega crowd should vote for boobs because one in eight women get breast cancer. And you know what that means? It means we want to make boobs great again. (laughs) Talk about my pillows. Let's talk about my pillows.
0: Were boobs ever not great?
2: Boobs are always great. I mean, I, I mean, well, I mean, the thing is like, I have this platform now I call Strong Black Boobs. And the reason why I call it Strong Black Boobs is because mediocre black boobs wasn't available. So, so I actually upgraded. I was like all for this like breast cancer. I was like, oh, yay, upgrade. I mean, like when I found that I had like, you know, stage one or two, I was like, yay, upgrade, upgrade. By upgrade,
0: you mean you went in and you had a full mastectomy, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I had everything. I've had so many boobs in the last three years, then a lack T- so many titties than a lactating puppy i mean like it's crazy it's like i went from no boobs to i mean i went to real boobs to no boobs to like the expander boobs where you like you know you you, you pump them up you pump 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 them up with like selene and then um and then i went from that to like the the implants and then people started giving me boobs i've got like these um where are you going She's got boobs on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I even got puppet boobs. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, the I, puppet. Got, I got puppet boobs. This one is Harriet Boobman. And then this one is Rosa Peaks. And they are part of some of the stuff that I create. Yeah, they jump up and down and they they sing. They I have a I did a song called Happy Boob Day to like Steve. Let's Lander. see. Like, can we hear the song? Yeah, happy boob day to ya. Happy boob day to ya! Check your boobs day, yeah. And boob, then I, boob, I know. And then some, some boobs, boobs. Boob, like boob. So yeah, these are my happy boobs day to have, you. So yeah, All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had um. Yeah, they're my, they're my backup boobs. So I've had so many boobs and I've got more boobs. I've got like puppet boobs. I didn't take them out though. Um Yeah, so I've got a ton of boobs. Like more boobs than like, you know, a bucket of boobs. It's a bucket of boobs. I mean, the thing is like, the reason why I'm doing this is because I feel, you know, like breast cancer is the silent killer for black women. So I'm trying to create through comedy. I'm trying to create, the ALS bucket challenge, but instead of water, I want a bucket of boobs to fall all over this country because the moment we normalize breast cancer self exams, and that's when women are, black women are going to stop dying. Like you, you shouldn't die because your boobs are black. And that's what it is. It's just about breast cancer being a silent killer. And I mean, like comedy, like I've always wanted to do comedy, but like, through this, this has become a motivating factor because I don't cry anymore about my boobs. I don't cry about my mom's boobs, but I cry every day about the women that are dying because they don't need to die. And so it's become motivating. Like I I'm trying to get the message out through comedy. I'm trying. And you're doing a excellent job. I love job. it. I love it. I'm probably
0: Yeah. Now, Ashima, do you check yourself? I do.
1: I do. You know, I am a a big boob girl, you know, and um, breast cancer is actually on my mom's side of the family, so we take it very seriously. I get my boobs checked on time. So, yes. And I check myself all the time. I do it all the time. You know, I'm like a 36 triple, like, G. Yeah, that's a lot of checking. That's a lot of...
0: I may have. Yeah. I have a yeah. lot, too. Yeah. I'm a big girl.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted big area. boobs. I'm an 80s baby. Like, I prayed for big boobs when I was a little girl. I wanted to be built like a Barbie doll. But I, <laughs> Aww, know, I didn't know all so this good. ass was going to be popular, then I would have. <laughs> <laughs> I would have wanted to be built like a Cabbage t- Patch. I didn't you know we had to be so <laughs> big. <laughs>
0: it's so funny because my sisters prayed to not get big boobs because they saw how big mine were. They were like, don't make it like hers, please, God. I don't want it to be that big. It's like, you never know.
1: I got my boobs late in life, though. How old were you when you got your boobs? I didn't get my boobs to 18.
0: Oh, I was early. I started at 12. And then I remember in college, one of the guys that I actually... No, I like since fourth grade I saw him in college we were at a party and he goes I gotta admit something to you you took me through puberty oh my god because <laughs> it was yeah. you and this other girl Michi you were the two that developed before anybody else and it was just like thank you <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no I got my boobs summer of 97 I'll never forget no summer of '97, y'all. I came back, 11th grade year. Let me tell y'all what I had on. I had on this white little mini dress with the sides out like spaghetti strap. These country ass, uh, jelly ass heels. Looking country as hell. tennis was big as hell. Everybody was like, "Wow, welcome back to school, Ashima." I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Welcome well, back. Welcome back. back. Yeah,
0: Hat took on a different tone, right?
2: I did. <laughs> I never. I I never. I never had titties. I never had ass. I mean, like going through junior high school, I was like like bullied, like crazy, because everybody, everyone next to me was like a gorgeous, like Amazonian, you know, it happened in junior high school just overnight. And like, you get to seventh grade and everyone has got like, has to have like two deaths because the breasts are like out to here. And I'm like, I had nothing. I've always had nothing. And so, um, yeah, I was kind of psyched about this whole, like, I was like, this is an upgrade. Yeah. So let's
0: talk about what inspired you to make that decision to get a mastectomy? Like what, 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 because this is a choice that you had, right? You were stage, or, or can you tell them what stage you were and that you did not have to, right?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I did. And that's the thing is I, like, uh, well, first of all, I wanted to say like, Ashima was saying like how she gets sick because there's like breast cancer that runs in her family. But the thing is like that was sort of like and that's a common like thing about like I my mom died of breast cancer, but it's not just about going for your mammograms. Like checking is very, very important because I was sort of like la 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 la, 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 la. like I will get, you know, I will stay healthy. I'll get a mammogram every year. And lo and behold, like I go in there and they're like, you got breast cancer. And I'm like, I got this girl. I get a mammogram every year. Like you tell me what my 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 symptoms are. Like, "Let's talk. Let's talk." And we sat down and talked and they were like, "Okay, so it is um stage 1B." And so you don't have to get a mammogram. You can just get a lobectomy and um and radiation." And I was like, "Well, first of all, like because of what my mom went through, like my mom basically like 30 years ago, they she didn't have reconstruction. So she basically was flat on one side and had this huge boob that was basically down to her knees. I mean, she was like a walking, like hacky sack practice. Like it was like, mom, Mom, are you winning mom? Back and forth, back and forth. Like just this huge boob. So I had no idea like what it was doing with like to her self-esteem. So it was like, it was very important for me to go in. Like, you know, like I'm not going to let any doctor make me look like a Frankenstein. Like I'm not going to let that happen. So I went to different doctors just to make sure that I had somebody that I felt comfortable with. And I also went and saw like six plastic surgeons and I saw their portfolios because I wanted to see like what they were doing with black women. Like, like I went to a couple of plastic surgeons office and their, their portfolio with the black women looked like a Tuskegee experiment. It was like, there's no way in hell that I'm going to let you touch my boobs. And so like coming out of this with self-esteem was really, really important. I mean, I had one breast surgeon that was telling me like, hey, you know, like, like you don't need to get a double mastectomy because like the odds of like, like, um, of infection and these other things going wrong are this percentage. I mean, this, this person was just quoting a lot of, a lot of percentages and stuff like that, but it's like, but it's all about your self-esteem. Like I wanted, I wanted balance. And I was like, and you know, and like, and I couldn't afford a boob job. I mean, like, okay, you know, I'm not like, White, it's not white, white America here. It's like, you know, like I, you know, if I had a choice, it's like, I, I want to look great. And so, so yeah, so I decided for the double mastectomy, but even in the end, and I think that for a lot of women out there, you should also remember that I, you have to have conversations all along the, all along your journey with your plastic surgeon. Cause one of the conversations that we didn't have was outcomes because what I got was not what I was thinking. I made a joke about double T's. And he thought it was a joke, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't, I didn't want double T's, but I wanted something that was a little bit bigger because like at this size that I have now, I feel, I feel like, first of all, I don't feel like they look like breasts. I feel like they look like, kind of like a little bit like, like the kind of pecs that, up. Uh, a high school lacrosse player would be jealous of. I mean, like, <laughs> it's just like, it's just not like, they're not quite there. And so, so I don't even want to get like, like the nipples tattooed because I was like, if they're going to look, I think they will just be like weirder. Like I bought like fake, te- fake nipples that you can like plop on and stuff like that. And I lost them somewhere. It's like, so I have somewhere in my 300 square foot apartment are some nipples I like, that are like. As you're
0: saying this, I'm watching you like with like someone like a, a guy and going, wait,
1: hold
2: on. Like you're looking for your keys. She said it like she's looking for her (laughs) keys. They're they're somewhere around here. I have no idea. I bought them this summer and I came home with them. I bought them in France. My, 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 one of my cancer doctors actually got me treated to a trip to France to a post-cancer treatment. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And I got these, I got these, I was like, oh my God, they have these nipples and I tried them on and I'm a, I'm a, they had different shades and I'm a tawny, by the way. You can call me tawny. And I came home with them and I cannot find what in the world did I do with these nipples. So anyway, so yeah, so I mean, I, you know, I did it for self-esteem. I did it for the girl, you know, I did it, I did it, you know, but I, I'm all about like, you do what you need to do. Like if you want to get a, a single mastectomy, go for it. If you want to go flat, go for it. You know, a lot of people have trouble too with the implants, but I, I mean, like, again, this is, I feel... I mean, I want it a little bit, I want it a little bit bigger because I just feel like at this size, it takes a lot to stay in balance. Like, you know, like I basically, um, can't eat, <laughs> like, like I need to stay like, cause I, I mean, I feel like I become a little bit more like a, like a Yoda centerfold if I like get too out of proportion. So, so it's a little, yes, yeah, so I want it a little bit bigger. So it wouldn't be so much pressure to stay like in D- proportion. Do you still have to get mammograms? No, no mammogram, no mammy grams for That's me. That's a good question. No, I, no mammy grams for me. I get, I get felt up. I, I get, I get every year. At least I know I'm going to second base. If I'm not dating, if I'm still single, I know every year I'm going the second base. Ow! That's right, and I save it for the end of the year. <laughs> it's like my, it's like my um, my deductible like uh, Christmas gift to myself. I didn't. I did.
0: I didn't know that. I thought that even after a mastectomy and you got like the replacement, that you would still have to get a mammogram. I didn't know that. That's important.
1: three of my aunts had breast cancer, and um, all three of them got double mastectomies. When when it was only in one breast, both of them was like, you know what? Just take the other one because I don't want to go through this anymore. Yeah, all three of them did that. And I felt like it was the 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 wise decision to make, most definitely. I, if it happened to me, I would definitely have gotten both of them taken off.
0: Yeah. Now, I, I made the decision... Uh, oh, go ahead, Suzette. Sorry. Oh,
2: go no, ahead. no. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, they... Yeah, but, like, again, this one doctor was like, all these statistics, she's like, you know, even though you have breast cancer in one breast, you, you know, you have a 5% chance of it coming back in the other breast. But I don't know. I just couldn't, like... I thought she was just making too many decisions for me. And I guess that's part of like, I want to tell women out there too, like you have to know, like you have to be with a doctor that you feel absolutely comfortable with. And I, you know, this woman was like, I I really respected her because I mean, she, when I walked in, she knew more about me than I knew. Like, I mean, like she was like, so why are you taking this? I mean, like, I, I was like, I don't know why I'm like, she's like, you shouldn't be taking iron pills or whatever. And mm. And so like, she, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think she could have, told me my age if I, I, don't know, like, I don't tell nobody my age. Even my mom don't, doesn't, doesn't know my age.
0: I say my age on stage. It feels <laughs> empowering. I feel, I feel
2: my age
1: when it's time to get ready to go to get on stage. That's when I like, oh my God, <laughs> i I don't feel like doing an eight o'clock spot. <laughs> eight <laughs> five. That's when I feel my age. When it's <laughs> eight o'clock? <laughs> that is feeling <laughs> your age. <laughs> Eight o'clock is like Ooh. a normal time. Girl, sleeping. I think it's. I think it's this time <laughs> change though, because it gets dark so early now. I would be like sleepy hey. as hell at six o'clock. Like ready to lay down.
0: <laughs> I agree. I'm the same way. When I have an eleven o'clock spot, I'm like, oh my day. Oh, <laughs> but I I want to get back to this like um, so you had a mastectomy and then you still did treatment was it, which one came first, the treatment and then the mastectomy? Oh. And why why do you still have to do treatment after you get a mastectomy?
2: (laughs) I know. I mean, like, the thing is, like, it was, well, treatment, my surgery came six months later after my, oh, actually, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is my cancerversary. I totally forgot. (laughs) It's my cancerversary. (laughs) I totally forgot. I told today it's like three years. Four years ago, I found out. Uh, I was confirmed that I had breast cancer. But, oh, wow. So, wow. But anyway. Congratulations, anniversary. I know. Anniversary. Thank you. I know, yes. thank you. Oh, my, me and my boobs. Like, you're, you're a survivor. Boobs. You're not going to get up. Yeah. Them. I know. Me and my boobs. I call them. I call them. I've named them Venus and Serena. Because they are champs. They are survivors. They are GOAT. They are the greatest of all titties. That's right. Yeah. Ow, y'all. Ow. So, so yeah, like three years ago was co- Four years ago was COVID. So I had, I was diagnosed. So I couldn't get into, um, get a surgery because all the operating rooms were closed. So they put me on like a, like a hormone suppressant because my, my cancer is um, fed by, um, by, uh, estrogen. So they put oh, me on dear. a hormone suppressant. Yeah. And then, and then in June I got a, a, a double mastectomy, which was great because I got three months off during the summer. It was like. It was like, this is like, oh my God, like it was like the gift that kept on giving. It was like, I got new boobs and I got like summertime and it was great. So yeah, so I did that. And then um, in September, um, I ended up getting into chemo and that was pretty cool. Cause uh, I mean, I was a little afraid of chemo cause I thought it might like slow me down. I thought, it, cause I'm pretty hyper. And I was like, "Oh my God! Like chemo's gonna slow me down, and then also chemo's gonna make me gain weight." But neither of that happened. In fact, the drugs I was on in chemo like hyped me up. I was so I was like, "I think if America knew how hyped up you could get on chemo drugs, everybody would want cancer." It was just so crazy. I was just so. I, I'm trying to up. understand why they
0: still do chemo with you, though.
2: Oh, because I was. Uh, um, it turns out I wasn't a stage one. I was a stage two. Like it had gone into my lymph nodes. So oh, and Can you
0: explain that? Because I think a lot of people don't know that the di- initial diagnosis changes throughout the state.
2: Oh, it's, it kept changing. Because I mean, like I said, like I was I was thinking that I'd be like, oh, like close to nothing because of all the mammograms I got year by year. But if I had had if I had been doing my breast self exams, like after they told me I had cancer, I felt it. I was like, I should have been, that's like, ladies, you should be feeling yourself, feeling yourself, feeling, I'm telling you, like, Beyonce is like the roadmap to, like, saving your life, like, everything she tells you to do, you should be doing, feeling yourself, like, you ain't gonna break my, like, you, you just need to, like, just whatever she says, just do, just do to your body, just do it to your body. So well,
0: Stace wants you to know today is a good day celebrating you and Venus and Serena across the miles.
2: Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So yes. Yeah, cause the diagnosis can change. Like, so, so yeah. So I was first, they first like, like did a, they, cause I'd been going, they did like an initial biopsy took, took the cancer out found it, took it, took a sample. And they said, okay, well, because you've been so diligent with your mammograms, it probably hasn't gone to your lymph nodes. So it's stage one, but then they did the surgery and they were like, oh, we found it in your lymph nodes. Guess what? It's chemo time. I was like, so I was like stage two A. So yeah, so I had to have, I did, I mean, you know, it's up to you if you don't do chemo, but, but like, because of everything, my mom, I watched my mom die of breast cancer. So again, I was like, like throw everything at me. So, so yeah, so I got, and the thing is like, this is another point too, is like, so I was at one hospital when I got my surgery. And so I went to the oncologist there she was like, kind of like, um, no, let me talk to some like of my colleagues and sort of figure out like your treatment. And she came back and she was like, well, we're going to give you this treatment and you won't lose your hair. And it's about this amount of time. So then I went to get a second opinion and everybody, if you have cancer, you should, if it's not, crazy, like a rush. You should always get a second opinion. And uh, until you find your team, you keep going and getting an opinion. So when I went and got a second opinion. This doctor was like, well, what did she tell you? What did your doctor say? And he said, well, I could do that for you, but my recommendation is a stronger chemo. And, you know, and if you do four sessions, well, then we'll go, we'll give you, you're lucky. We'll give you a, two more. If you do four, if you can, if you can make it do four, we will hit you with two more. And so I was like, I was like, yeah, just just do it. Like, if I lose my hair, I was okay. I was like, I was like, between natural, it was like, it was. I was time. It was time for a change. I think actually, the sexiest thing about you is to be healthy. So that's right. So it's like, yeah. So I was like, just take it all off, Wakanda forever. You know, in in midtown Manhattan, Wakanda forever. Just go bald. Yeah. And so I, I did. I did the chemo, and then after that, I had to do the radiation. So, um, and all of it, I mean, radiation wasn't bad. Chemo again, my, my chemo, I just crazy. Like, like my chemo was like 90 minutes to two hours. Like I was like done with chemo before my Starbucks order arrived. Like I couldn't believe, like, I mean, like I was trying to do like, like TikTok dances and set up lights and the nurses were like going crazy. Like, what is this woman doing in this chemo suite? And, um, yeah. And I, and I, by the time I got everything set up, I had to get kicked. I was they were kicking me out cause I was done. And so, so yeah, so I I did the six sessions and I was done by Christmas. And then, um, in February I started in the end of January, February, I started radiation and, and that was pretty good up until like, I did like 25 sessions but by the 25th session, 23rd session. I got really crispy. It was like, it was like, I was like, I looked at my breasts. I was like a KFC extra crisp at treat. Like it was just like nice and like burnt and crispy. Today I am regular recipe. Okay. I'll let, let everybody know. <laughs> I'm regular recipe.
0: I want to I ask you about like the Barbie. I, I love that you, I, I don't see breast cancer Barbie. Is there breast cancer Barbie or did you do that? I did that.
2: I did that. I mean. There should be breast cancer Barbie. I know. Totally. So I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing is like, and then oh man, you have no idea. Like when I came up with that idea and then I, I tried to, like I said, I was going to post it. I wrote to, like, everybody. I wrote to, like, Warner Brothers. I was like, hey, Barbie's uh, headquarters, I want you to know that, like, I'm doing this thing and it would be great if you could support it because Black women have breast cancer nothing. And I did, like, to Is- Issa Rae's, like, publicist. I did it to, like, Greta Gerig's publicist. I was like, please, somebody, like, try to support this thing because, again, like, it's a silent killer for Black women. Like, Black women just don't know the numbers. I mean, like there's a woman, um, a correspondent, an anchor on CNN who was just diagnosed. And she said herself, like she, she stage three, she didn't know that like black women die 40% more than white women. And, and we die twice. And why, you know what, before you continue, you know, I always like to say why
0: that is too. It's not just that we get cancer more. It's because we don't get seen and heard and believed Exactly. Like other, so, like, and it's really important to mention this um, that right now the healthcare system is crumbling, okay, in America. And I've had that experience as of recent, as of late, of going to the place where I used to get my mammograms, going in there. They don't have the doctors. They don't have the nurses. I was in there for five hours. Oh, my God. I was, yeah, I was in there for five hours. And they told me that I would have to, that they would need to do a biopsy because they saw something, which is terrifying for a woman who had breast cancer to hear. But there was no one there. So when they gave me the appointment for the biopsy, I go out to the front desk. There was no one there. Oh. And I'm the only person on the floor. I had to go back in and go, excuse me, there's no one here. I had this rude ass woman to snatch mm-hmm. the thing from me. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was crying, you know, and here's the thing. Five hours is unreasonable to be doing for a mammogram, ultrasound, right? Unreasonable. They, when I com- made my complaint, which... People should know me now. I will complain. I went and I talked to my oncologist who is great. She's like, you need to call the supervisor for that floor. I did that. She's like, we need to follow up on this because this is bad. They I then went and moved to another location to get my, the rest, to get the biopsy done, which they tried to argue me down and say I couldn't do, which my oncologist was like, yes, you can. This is the type of stuff I'm talking about. Like, When you go in as a black woman, you have to really advocate because they are going to see you as difficult. It's just their unconscious bias. They are going to have the arrogance that you don't know what you're talking about, that you don't know what you want for yourself. And they are going to delay things. So all of that plays into why we die from it more. So when I say you have to advocate for yourself, it's like crucial to saving your life. Bring a friend with you. If you don't have a friend, just know these things that you have to do for yourself. OK, I want to go to you, Ashima, and ask you
1: in Alabama,
0: mm-hmm. in Alabama for healthcare, What is it like in Alabama?
1: From my experience and fortunately, I've always had great health care because of my parents. So um, I've I, I think it's pretty accessible, though. I think they have like Medicaid, like you can go to the doctor. You know, with me being a, a, a comedian and, you know, we don't really have, you know, health benefits, it is ways to go and get Medicaid. You can go to the free clinic. You can go get your mammogram. You can go get tested like it's there. You just got to get up and go do it. That's it. And you know what? When you don't have hair care, you might have to wait a little longer. You might not be in, you know, the type of doctor's office that you like. But I had my baby on Medicaid and I had a wonderful doctor that cause some doctors do take Medicaid. They just only take it at a specific That's time. Right. So you just have to take the time and do the research and get it done. But it is it's provided for That's you right. It's there for you. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad you said that because a lot of people feel shame in getting Medicaid. They feel like, oh, no, I don't want to be one of those people. But when you're in a place of like like um, where it's, you know, high risk, actually, Medicaid is very helpful. There's no questions asked. And -hmm. you do have to do the research to find like a good doctor. Like I saw a comedian, he put it on Instagram, uh, Greg Wilson. He posted a whole thing about like what the strike did to him. He had a heart attack a couple of years back and he's high risk. He's losing his insurance. Sag after. He's upset. He's on Instagram. He's expressing his feelings about it. He's like, "What did we fight for?" And I had to call him and go, "Hey, hey, hey. There's so much available uh-huh, to you. You uh-huh. do know this, right? Like like don't just blame Sag after. Like do your research." do you have Medicaid? And he was like, well, they, in California, they have something called Medi-Cal. I said, okay, so get on it. But I think Medicaid is, is. Nati- and it's is- so easy
1: to get on you guys. Like they don't deny you. They don't, they're not going to turn you away. And I think people have this thing, you know, cause maybe like when you think about going to Medicaid, you just think you're sitting at some free clinic all day and that's not what it is anymore. It's not. It's government money. It's guaranteed money that the government are paying these doctors. So they're going to take it. It's your money. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah. yeah, and they have it everywhere. So I'm with you. You sometimes, you know, if you do lose your care, you don't have your um, insurance anymore. I, I'm on Medicaid now. Yep, sure do. And go to the doctor. i be all up in the eye doctor, the foot doctor, the ear doctor, anybody to take it. And I pay $10 for a copay and my prescriptions are free. I once got into
0: it with a doctor who tried to say to me, he goes, you see the Medicaid patients come in here. No questions asked. They can get. And then the ones who are actually paying for it, they can't get a lot of stuff. And I don't he goes, I don't know why that is. He goes, I, he goes, this doesn't make any sense to me, you know? And I was like, well, you know, this is the healthcare system. This is the, they didn't figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing is like all of this, the shame that people feel with it is I think a lot of the reasons people don't access these programs that are available and also the, the shame, the way they treat you sometimes when you have Medicaid can be deplorable. So that's why I say like, get on these programs don't hesitate. You should never even go a month without health insurance because you never know what's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And even if you're in that month where you don't have health insurance, you can go to your doctors and say, I need emergency Medicaid. And they will set that up for you in the hospital. Never feel like you don't have something available to you because, you know, it, th- this is this is real. Like the, the navigating of the system while you're undergoing the stress of cancer. Or let's say a stroke or a heart attack; those things can actually kill you, you know. So that's why I I'm so glad, Suzette, you're on here. I'm so glad that you, you know, you you you're so funny, and the way you you uplift people, and you and you're constantly doing things. And with the Barbie, right? Didn't you people have taken notice of the what do you call it? Is it Cancer Barbie or yeah? I or call, it,
2: call it I call it Barbie's Bust a Brain uh, uh, Trivia. It's a trivia game, uh, breast cancer trivia game. So it's Barbies Buster Brain, breast cancer trivia game. So yeah, so I'm different Barbies, different color Barbies, and essentially we talk about like staying fabulous by taking care of our health. And um, and one of the things is that like when it comes to breast breast self exams, it's not about finding a lumps. There are like maybe like twelve other things that you should look for. So it's not just about lumps. It's like indentations in your breast. It could be liquid. It could be just your breast filling warm. It could be, um, um, change in the shape of your breast. So there are about 12 signs. And I mean, throughout some of the stuff that I do, I I do also, I also did a video called basket boobs, where I basically took, took March Madness and it into mammary madness. And I, I show all the different signs through like different kinds of basket, basket, basketballs, but yeah, but the Barbie is about, like, we talk about a couple of the different signs and then it goes into a little bit of funny shtick about, um, about being a Barbie and the difficulty, like with, uh, trying to check yourself and stuff like that. So, so yeah, so it actually did get recognition. In fact, like, since I've been doing this, I I've already won a New York foundation of the arts, oh, like award, um, uh, city Artist core. So I'm a grantee of that. And then I've won two digital health awards. And for this, I've, I've nominated for an Anthem award, which is the social impact side of, um, the Webbies. So it's really important because for me, I'm not getting, my message isn't getting out. One is because I'm just so busy. It's hard to like be consistent on social media. But another thing is that the algorithm doesn't really speak to what I do. And in fact, it's actually um, been uh, like um, counterproductive because I'll tell you, um, I had done one video I'd put out, like, the thing is like, there's so little out there for a black woman to know on her journey. Like what it's like. So when I had radiation burns, I put out a picture of like a side boob of like an open wound. So that a woman, cause I hadn't seen anything like this and you know, and it it showed that I was doing breast cancer. Right. So then TikTok got back to me saying that I violated their terms, even though it had breast cancer all over it. And it was a side boob and it was pretty, it was nicely done. And they got back to me saying that I violated, violated their terms. And then they went back through my search history and they took down, I did a dance challenge with um, Charlie Demio, um, in in while I was in chemo, with my the the tubes and the the, the everything beep and the beeping and I'm doing a dance challenge and I'm bald and they took that down for violating their content so I got pissed off right and I went through every hashtag that said breast cancer awareness and don't you know I found a woman who had posted four days before me her breast full frontal with her scars. And you know the only difference between that woman and me was that she was white, and I still I have those pictures. I have the proof. I've sent it to the ACLU, I've sent it to every like sort of in NAACP to complain because um yeah it's like the algorithm doesn't work for me and what I'm doing. So it's really important that I do. I get into like you know like I get an award from the New York Foundation of the Arts or I get like the Webbies or the, and I'm applying to other things because it just legitimizes that I'm, that this is, this work is important because again, like it's a silent killer and, and no one is talking about this. Like it's such an easily, easily solvable problem. It's not like, you know, I mean, like, all of the things that we're dealing with, homelessness and climate change and whatever, but if black women only had the power and it's in their own hands, if they only knew and had the power to, they could save themselves. That's all I'm asking people to do. Just let us save, a, let us save our universe. Please let us save ourselves. Let us save ourselves. And let me say. Let us save ourselves. Let
1: me say this too. It's scary going to the doctor. I get it. I can't sit here and say that I have not been sitting in the doctor's office or in that room worried. You know, I think it's a natural thing to be scared to go. But the worst thing you can do is not go because you can make it worse. But like you said, you can save yourself. You can get it caught early and have you know life. You know, and another thing about that insurance, a lot of people slept on Obamacare. Obamacare was really good health insurance. My son was on Obamacare. So and and Obamacare is still here. You just have to, I think. The open enrollment is in November, I think, or whatever. But when mm-hmm. I get that link, I'd be sending it to everybody because it's affordable and just about every doctor takes Obamacare.
0: And this is an election year, so we really need to pay attention to what they're trying to take away.
1: And I, I don't I don't want to interrupt you, but I got sick in the Dominican Republic. I got sick over there and had to go to the emergency room. And that's when I realized, uh, over in the US, we could kind of take a little for take it for granted that we could just go into the emergency room, get treated and walk out. I had to pay cash. I got sick, I got food poisoning, I got dehydrated. They had to pump me up with fluids and give me all this stuff. I had to pay $1400 to oh. that hospital or They were going to not only arrest me, they were going to take my passport. It was literally a man like security in there with a gun saying that I had to pay for the treatment that I received. Sure did. What? Spent the money. Spent the money. I went over there and made. I think it was like a $2,000 gig. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Yep.
0: That's, you know, it's interesting. We just had Jenny Saldana and Jason Antors on the podcast talking about how wonderful the DR is. You
1: know, I wow. never asked
0: about the healthcare. care system. And the thing
1: I could do was think about, the, like, children. Like, what if you have a child over there that's sick and you can't afford to take your baby to the hospital or to the doctor? You know, I, I don't know what it is with them, but I know they made me pay money. So I could just only imagine if you're a citizen over there, you know?
0: So, wait, did you say this? I may have missed it when you, they don't take the insurance? Well, when
1: I was over there, I don't think I had it, had any type of insurance. So, I don't know if that made a difference, but you can go to the hospital, to the emergency room here and don't have insurance. They're not going to make you pay cash before you leave. You know what I mean? They'll just bill you. It was no billing me over there.
0: Was there some racism in there, too? They were
1: actually really nice to me until it came time to pay that money. So, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's when the beef started <laughs> you know the the slow rollout of the
0: gun when you yeah. ain't got money is hilarious yeah. it's like they're really nice and it's like wait what you say you ain't got no right. money
2: that's funny oh my god yeah. I just want to say though um, like when it comes to finding help and stuff like that like I would recommend and suggest that like like if you feel that you have no options that even turning to like a Facebook group or there are so many black organizations now that popped up after um after COVID that are there to support any woman that just is feeling like they're overwhelmed. There's um, you know, Karen's Club, which is like a um they she is uh like a, a patient navigator. And so there are many things out there. So Never feel like you are alone because black women are joining together to try to support one another. And another thing that a lot of people don't know is that your doctor isn't your only best friend in a hospital. The social worker is your best friend Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because, Because I had two hospitals and one hospital gave me a list of resources and then the other hospital gave me a list of resources, transportation and $2,700. That's big facts. That's big facts. Those social workers. Yes, so social social worker. Exactly. And it's not just a social worker at a hospital. Like if you are dealing with like a grant, an organization that helps women too, like they can, they have social workers as well. And it's good karma. Like if you get something from one social worker if you get some sort of information, like there's, you know, a website or something, it's good to pass it on to the other social worker because that way she can help other women too. And it's, it's just good karma to, to do that. And I was able to do that. So, so your social workers are also like your best friends. Like you yeah. sh- should definitely know your social workers. And then one other point you were making, Marina, about like, um, like why black women die so much. Another reason is that we also get cancer younger. And so we, by the time the guidelines are like you get a mammogram at 40, by the time that happens, it's like we are like stage three, stage four. And no one knows, like, like black women who are in this are saying that cancer, breast cancer is a different biology for us. But science has not proven it. So you can't. No, I mean, we, but it's also the environment. Like,
0: like they keep saying these. See, the only reason I, I say these things is because they'll say, like, we get it younger or we get it more. But Why? Like, where are we living? Mm-hmm. What is the toxicity of the air where we live? Hair relaxers yeah, little girls. Yeah. You know, it's like, what are we eating? Mm-hmm. Where are the food deserts? What are we putting into our body? Where do they place black and brown bodies where cancer levels are at an all-time high? So it's almost like you're blaming the victim when you just leave it there. So I always say, we got to ask why that is and deal with that in Congress. Because where people are redlined is cancer places Mm -hmm. too. So it's like, when I'm looking at, you know, certain areas like in, in, I live in Harlem, New York. Right. And just a simple, uh, you know, years ago when I moved here from Chicago, I never understood what a food desert was in Chicago. How I grew up, there was always a grocery store you could go to. I didn't understand what that was about. I moved to New York. I came to Harlem. I was like 20, over 25 years ago. I made a joke about how I had to, I had to walk to Columbia to get a salad, Just to get like produce, just to know where the produce is. Now you can see in Harlem, because they've they've figured it out, that there's food deserts. There was food, major food deserts here. They have farmer's markets here, you know, community kitchen where you get like really good fresh produce. There are like programs now that are really attacking these situations. But all this stuff can lead to cancer
1: yeah i'm 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 mm. particular about the grocery stores here now it's way different from the grocery stores down south let me just say that from the pros to the packaging of the meat eh. what's it like down south it just it just seems like it's just more cleaner and more fresher and you know it's not so you know how like that we just use like the chicken for example i'm not used to it coming in like this sealed thing it's, it's like it, it's packaged up more fresh and you have dates and stuff on it. I don't like the I don't like the grocery stores here. I just like the the farmer's market. I don't really. And I like Whole Foods. I just it smells different to me. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? It's, it's just, different. It's, New York. is Yeah, different. it's I don't know. It's just it's I don't I'm real funny about buying stuff on the street. Maybe it just could be me because we don't we have fruit stands, but. I don't know. It's just dirty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I love, you know what I love about you, Ashima? I love, every time you talk, you remind me of like Chicago. It's because we're, Chicago has a lot of Southern, Southern roots. But I'm always curious about Alabama. And, you know, it's always been in my mind, are Black people okay in Alabama? Now, I know that's like (laughs) the old, like, you know, but I'm always like, are you guys okay? But I always feel like we're, haven't we started to move back to the South more? And and what is Alabama like growing up in Alabama? What's, we, the, what's that like with rela- race relations? We
1: are okay. I'll tell you one thing. We better than Mississippi. Because them the ones you need to be worried about is the people, the black people in Mississippi. Because you could go to certain parts of Mississippi and you could really still tell that they are um, behind in time. Alabama is, you, you know what, the people... In Alabama, we just the white people and the black people. It seems like we just have an understanding. You don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you. Can you cuss on this podcast? I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) And we all come together (laughs) during football season. I don't know what it is, but black people (laughs) and white people, we come together for that roll tide. You know, Alabama is home. It's wonderful. It's it's family. It's fun for me. You know, Um, I can't sit here and say I've had a lot of. Race, racism experiences growing up. Um, I've always been around everybody. I went to a performing arts school, so it was black and white kids there. My mama had a good job, and then when she got her husband, we showed up, moved on up. So I had black and white neighbors, <laughs> you know? So I, I had like the best of both worlds or whatever. If.
0: What did you say it's worse here than the South? Uh,
1: you mean in New York? Like in. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all are just not as friendly as we are. You know, I have to. Overall. Yeah, overall yeah. It's cool mm-hmm. in New York, but, you know, I, I come from a place like when you when we make eye contact, we speak. It's like automatic. That's right. When you make eye contact mm-hmm. with somebody, it's good morning. When you see somebody elderly, it's how you doing. You know, I could just be standing in the store and standing next to an old man. I'm going to ask him how you doing. Um, It's just the southernness in me, I guess. New Yorkers are not like that. You know, they kind of be looking at me like, girl, who you talking to? And I just like, oh, you know, I would just saying good morning. <laughs> That's those island folks. No, no, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I think Jamaicans are super mean, especially the women. They just be so mean. I'm joking. I was like, yeah. they don't come for me. they not come for me. <laughs> but I be super nice to is- them, though, you know. <laughs> You know, the Jamaicans be rude as hell in a restaurant, but I just politely ask for my extra gravy on my oxtails. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Why
0: do they hold <laughs> out? <laughs> oh,
1: Is it a gravy shortage in Jamaica? Or like?
0: <laughs> it's so funny because my family, like my sibling, my no, my niece doesn't. She's from Chicago, so there's not a lot of like. They're starting to get like on the suburbs, like Jamaican food. Like, you know, cause I, I, in New York, you get Jamaican food easily, right? Like jerk chicken, whatever. So I was telling her that you want gravy on that. She's like, gravy, what you talking about? <laughs> I, was, I
2: was
0: like, oh, they call it gravy. That's, it's like, she's thinking of gravy, like mashed potatoes and gravy. It's like, the first time I heard that too, I was horrified. I was like, that's just sauce. What do you mean gravy? Oh,
1: but New York. I want to get New York. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. New York was more of a a culture shock for me when I got here because being from Mobile, Alabama, it's just black, white, Chinese, Mexican. You know, a few Africans here and there. If you're getting your hair braided, but here (laughs) when I came here, you know, I see a little bit of everything, and everybody is everywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's you know, it's Mm -hmm. not like that in Mobile.
0: I'm going to go to these hot topics um, today. We're recording on Martin Luther King day and we're supposed to not work on this day, but I think talking about it is fine, right? Yeah.
1: this Is this, work? Yeah. is this work for us? Cause I got a glass of wine.
0: <laughs> it, it feels good. It feels good to talk about them. And I also, um, we talked about it on the last episode, but I will say like in 1982 critic Scott King and Stevie Wonder bring the speaker of the house Tip O'Neill petitions with over 6 million signatures in favor of a holiday. In 1983, Congress passes and President Ronald Reagan signs legislation creating Martin Luther King Jr. Day as a national holiday. Senators Jesse Helms and Gordon Humphrey attempt to block the bill. Now, in, in 1986, January 20th, the first national celebration of the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday takes place January 16th. We're recording on the 15th, right? Um, and January 16th, the King holiday is legal. Yes. Can you hear that? Yeah. In 44 states, is legal now. Um, 1999, New Hampshire becomes the last state to adopt a holiday honoring King. You see how many years? 1999. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna go to you, Suzette. What is your, uh, your view of that? Like, do you celebrate? Like, I mean, obviously you celebrate, but do you see that? Do you, do you remember like going back and working in places that still had you working during Martin Luther King's birthday?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of think, like, I mean, like, would, like, Martin Luther King have a dream of, like, a holiday on his birthday? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think he wanted to have, like, black kids and white kids play together. But I think if he knew, like, today, like, that, like, white kids, like, have access to AK-47s, you know, like, do you really want to have a holiday? Or do you want black and white kids to be together? Or do you want, like, a shorter week? Like, I know his dream. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, it's, you know, when you work, also, I worked a lot in television. and so. A lot of times uh, I didn't work with a lot of people of color. So today, like this Martin Luther King day was just an ordinary day. Like nobody really kind of acknowledged it. And it's just kind of weird. Like when you want to acknowledge it, it was kind of like, um, what was that other day? It was another day where people could take off. I forgot like uh, something like, I forgot. There was like a holiday before Martin Luther King day where if you wanted to take off, you could take off. It was sort of like growing up, but it's like when you don't get the support like it was throughout this process like it took a while for everyone to sort of get on board with MLK but it was um yeah it was just kind of like you kind of operated like you knew you were black on this day because it was very apparent like you were very conscious of it but yet your coworkers and the other world wasn't like so it's glad that we're at this point now where it is like legal and like everybody can kind of justify and honor honor MLK because it just it even though like it got turned into law, it was just so so gradual. Like it was just sort of like a gradual acceptance of it. So now everybody's on board.
0: Yeah, and Stace is saying the NAACP sent an email today reminding us not to take today off, but to make today a day on in service of dismantling anti-Black racism. So there Whoa, is. okay. What about you, Ashima, from Alabama? Alabama. I- like, what was it like celebrating the King's birthday in Alabama? It
1: was like having Sunday service, which is something that I do to this day. Growing up, we did the march. Um... We listened to the speech at the end of the march. We did that. We would um, maybe go to church if my grandma made us. But if not, we go back to my grandma's house and we eating Sunday dinner. Like right now, I got greens going, barbecue chicken, macaroni and cheese, cornbread. It's King Day. I didn't do it yesterday. I intentionally did it today. You know, when I got the to full job, I got your to cooking. cut up my yams. You know, I got up this morning. I watched the service that comes on every year like I'm super pro-Black, number one. Let's just say that. So on this day, I'm, I don't work. If I had a real job, I would not be at work today.
2: Mm-mm.
0: Nope. Mm-hmm. Ashima, <laughs> can I just tell you, I dream about your
1: yeah, cooking. Yeah, well you more than welcome to come. I have more than enough. I heard... Yeah. About your yes. cooking. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've heard uh, stories about your yes, cooking.
1: Yes, more than welcome. And I just to think you a King when
0: you come around, <laughs> I get hungry. <laughs> Yes, I. When you come, there's certain people like my mouth is watering. Like there's certain people when you just, you just like, oh, just one day I can just <laughs> be at Ashima's house when she. Yes, yes. like that's my dream. <laughs>
1: I have a dream today.
0: <laughs> so Ashima, you know, I want to ask you this question about. I know you. You, I, I didn't put it in the articles, but you know, you were on tour with Cat Williams for quite some time. You could tell me if you don't want to
1: talk about it. Okay. Yeah, I'll okay? yeah, okay? talk about him with you. I trust you. I love you. It's the idiots I didn't want I to just talk
0: about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I. It, there was so much that came out. And like, I, I want to ask you what it was like, first of all, just to be on tour with him. I mean, he's so funny and he's like undeniably funny. And I think that's the thing that really grabbed me about that moment. Like, you know, there was a lot of toxicity that came with that interview I enjoyed it a hundred percent though. I don't know if what that says about me, but I had a really good time watching it. Ed, two hours and 46 minutes went by very fast I key keyed the whole time,
1: child. I can't wait to tell somebody you're a fat phase online. I can't wait to say it. I can't wait to say it. I cannot wait to use it. And I hope I'm in public and it's still a white lady for some reason. <laughs>
0: I said fat Faison on the last episode And they were like Marina that's not Is that the term Michael Heek said he "Is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I love Faison You know But it's like it's almost funny Like Faison is funny even when he gets Sort of dissed cause he There's something about Faison that looks like Whatever Like mm. yeah okay throw the insults at me I know I'm
1: fat yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I know I'm fat I know I'm black I know I'm ugly I've been there my whole life I think he kind of like used to it probably
0: And he also like he's given it as much as he got, so it's kind of like you give, you get. But what was your opinion of that interview? Like, how was it seeing him after being on tour with him and everything? Well,
1: you know, had had been I had heard those stories before. You know what I'm saying? He had he had talked about said before, so I heard that he had talked about the Kings of Comedy. So everything was I was kind of already familiar with it. and, I mean, girl, I just laughed. I just said, now, this man here is a mess. He could—I just knew that that was some—he just could not wait. Because I know that he he does hate Faison, so he couldn't wait to get on him. He does hate saying, Like, you know how you just got this friend that you know got all this stuff balled up in him, and as soon as they get a chance to say it, or just you. You know, you ever just wanted the opportunity to say something, and then finally you get it? So, you know, yeah. I was— uh...
0: And had they, they said stuff about him too, right? Yeah. It wasn't like he just came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I think he has, I think maybe so. You know, he is just don't like Kevin and always, you know, just coming for Kevin and it ain't him and Kevin first time, you know, I guess coming for each other. So, you know, it was, it was just familiar to me. It was funny though. Cause I know like he just, and it was perfect timing. He knows how to, Stay relevant. He knows how to get asses in them seats. You know what I'm saying? Like, he got a tour that's that starting now. And I can only assume how much those ticket sales have gone up.
0: Ooh, mm. I want to go. And then let me ask you this. Like, they talk about, like, how he does a lot of good Mm-mm. things for Mm-mm. comics. Have you seen that? I it? have.
1: I've seen it. I've experienced it. Um, Like, when we would go to different cities, we would get openers and we, you know, he would take recommendations from other comics and, you know, get them to open up for the show and they get like $3,000. I've seen him, I've seen him just give random women with children money or take somebody that he met at the airport. And all of a sudden this guy is on the road and he just in charge of luggage. Like, yeah. I've seen him do that, and and he paid me very well. He changed my life. Wow!
0: What is Great. what is what is it like opening for him? Like, what are the audiences
1: Fun. like? Fun. Uh, it's you know high energy. A lot of Mexican. He has a huge Mexican audience. Yeah. Interesting. And I think it from know that. the Friday movie. I just, yeah. He has a huge, because he always used to ask me to go out there and look at, you know, the ratio of the people, or whatever, and with the Mexican and the black. So I would go out there and see and tell them, it like, just as many black, it'd be just as many Mexican people. So, yeah, and it was first class everything. It was private jets, tour bus, Ritz-Carlton. We traveled and lived just like how he did. Because a lot of people say when they go with headliners, you may not stay at the same hotel as them or you may not travel with them. It was never like that with Kat.
2: Wow. Yeah.
0: See, that right there says a lot I mean, a lot, a lot of us can't do that. Like, I wish I could have my opener stay. <laughs> I'm barely getting paid, you know, mm-hmm. but like when you can do it, like I've been on the road with headliners and I'm like in a shitty hotel and they're like just like a few blocks over in a very nice hotel. And I'm like, how are you living with yourself? Right. Right. Like how how you can afford and you have the ability to talk to your agents and managers and say, no, no, Marina needs to be in the same hotel I'm in. Right. Right. And and these are with people I know who can afford to do it.
1: Right. And he would he would talk about that. But he used to say all the time, you know, I want my openers to know that you can too have this life. You know what I'm saying? Like this is this is it. You can live just like this on joke money. So
0: that says a lot about Mm -hmm. a person the fact that you don't make someone who's opening with you feel like they're lesser than you financially. Like that's because it it, it doesn't take much to do that. I've always wondered why, like in some instances where like a headliner is just like, oh my God, I've completely like, it just didn't cross my mind. I'm so sorry. Like, how does that not, you came up just like anyone else. You can't. You know how how hard it can be, and Cat has always been kind of like, you know, like a killer comedian. But I don't. I feel like I don't know if he's ever like struggled, struggled like that. But like he, if he could do that, you could do it. Correct. Correct. I would. Three thousand dollars to open for him is amazing. That's like a. <laughs>
1: I, I, yeah, I I started out because I I was with him for seven years. I might have started off with like twenty-five and I went up. I went up, you know, to like 35, maybe four. Sometimes wow. Some wow. Wow. would just, yeah, he just would just give you just random money. Like you never had to pay for anything like your food or nothing like that. You know, I just used to just really just stack up my show money and he still Girl, it was everything. As long as he was in a good mood, <laughs> you could get everything.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there there are signs of like I can see like I could see like by I don't know if he's bipolar, but I could see like signs of something where I'm like I could see a bad side that I don't want to get on.
1: Yeah, you have to <laughs> yeah, it's cuz it's look, it's his tour. Walking next. Yeah, it's his tour, mm-hmm. you know, if you could just stay out the way, be out the way. If you see a bag that need to be picked up, pick that bitch up and walk it through the airport. You know what I mean? Like be, make sure you're working or busy or just at the way. That's all I could say. Just, or right, just at right. the way, yeah. you know, and, because
0: he's doing all the, all the rest, mm-hmm. right. He's doing all the taking mm-hmm. care of. So yeah, I could see that. I could see. So I've, I've seen him years ago in New York and I was like, Oh, I want to go up to him, but I don't want to go up to
1: him. Yeah. You just have to make sure it's a, <laughs> a, a, a good day.
0: A good day. Wow. Yeah, man, like that is that funny and that smart. Did 3,000 books, uh, or 10, was it 3,000 books when he was 10 years old? Is that no? Real?
1: I said, no, I can't cut it out. <laughs> I said, I cut it <laughs> the hell out. <like, laughs> that was not real. That man, all cap, just all cap on that.
0: Now, you know, the other reveal that came out that it was funny is like, you know, like the Epstein list was coming out and people were talking actually more about Kat's interview. It's kind of funny. So did the list ever Um, come out? Well, they so the new documents linked to the convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein, which was released by a federal court over the past two weeks, did not unmask any major public figures or include shocking revelations. The fact that an individual was named or that they socialized with Epstein does not indicate wrongdoing. So the documents raise questions about who knew about the activity. So that's really what it is. So the names that they, you know, there was a fake list. I don't know if you guys saw that. Like Wanda Sykes was on a fake list. Like, there was a list that came out with people they just wanted to put on a list.
1: And these are people that but, he sexually uh, assaulted, right? Well,
0: the the list was supposed to be people who were there, who hung out with him. So the list of people like uh, Prince Andrews and stuff like, we already know. Clinton. He's, he's Clinton. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Suzanne.
2: No, I just think that it's kind of the Stein factor. You know, Epstein, Jeffrey Weinstein, Frankenstein. It's all about the same going on there. And I just kind of feel like, I mean, you know, it just has to do like these people in power. It's like, they, they they're just saving their asses. It's, it's, you know, if you're around someone, you have to know, like, I mean, he was constantly around young women. So, you know, to have a picture of Clinton, I'm not saying that he was involved in sort of sexual activity, but you have, you're running around with a bevy of like under 17 year olds and on an island. <laughs> like, like this doesn't cross your mind, like how all of this is happening. So it's, um yeah, it's just, it's just kind of odd. But the thing is, I sort of wonder like, like, what about my, se- I mean, he has a secret dating life. What about my secret dating life? You know, it's like, you know, it's, you know, would anybody really want to see like my Netflix watch list and like, and then how many like half eaten, like tubs of ice cream I've got in my, my freezer. Like I have sort of a secret, like dating list. So who doesn't have one, but like on Jeffrey Epstein's it's, you know, it's everybody knew just everybody knew.
1: knew. Yeah. It's, 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 I I guess it's one of them situations. And have you all been in a situation where you may have knew something was going on and didn't say anything. I mean, I've been on tour with Cat Williams. I'm just using that as an example, not to say that he, sexual assaulted anyone because I didn't see that or nothing like that. But it may have been some things going on that I may have knew about it and just, you know, mind my business. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Turns around like what Marina doing right now. It might be a motherfucker like getting slapped and I don't know. I'm just staying out of it. I'm not saying it's
2: right? right 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 but you're giving it a good side eye But i mean he was yeah i mean like i mean he he had a lot of money i mean it's sort of like that beard thing you know what i mean it's like you know gay men with a beard it's like he knew like to have like money flowing and lavish parties and it just sort of legitimized everything that he was like all these people had to know i mean like you know it just it must have seemed creepy i mean like he he had a lot of money so he could just like sort of mask all this stuff but it's you have to like to have like, I mean, I look at the, the poor woman now, like I, she would stand out, like even in a room now, like now that she's aged, I mean, Victoria Gumfrey or whatever, like if she was standing in a room and be like, why is she here? Like, that's kind of a, you know, it's, it's like a red, like a red flag. Like it's, you had, to, you had to know. And so, yeah, yeah. No one can claim any sort of innocence. And, but the thing is, I think like, it's also like he was in that modeling world too. And so, you know, models are all young and innocent and it's all like they're filled, you know, they're in the parties too. So can, you know, I can see where people would, would turn an eye, but it's still the same thing. Like even in, you know, like when you're dealing with young people and you're, and you have alcohol around and drugs and, you know, it's, it has to stand out and people have to know what other things are going on.
0: Yeah, there was a situation recently where I was sort of assaulted. I won't say it was like a major assault, though. It was more of like, wait a minute, is that a hand on my ass? Um, uh, Back in the day, like guys would do that and you'd be like, hey, you know, it wasn't like I was the worst, by the way, with that. Like if a guy put his hand on my ass, I'd be like, hey. <laughs> and my <laughs> i would have a smile and my ex-boyfriend used to be like you can't smile at that and i was like oh okay um but the thing is is like i haven't i haven't been with anyone in such a long time that when there was a hand on my ass i was so confused by it I was like is that a hand on my like wait what and then then i was like maybe it was an accident this is the process that i go through and this is what i think a lot of women go through is like first they're like is that something? Is that it? Then you're like, you, I do the self blame thing. Like I was like, my ass is too big. So the the hand has to go somewhere. (laughs) Crazy thought. Then, then the third one was, oh, he's drunk. I've given him a pass. Like this is what women do. Right. And this is why we years later go, no, that was wrong is because we go through this process and I don't know if it's because of how we're raised or also generationally speaking of how I've come up and everything was so okay. Right. So we go through these processes and then we realize, Oh my God, this sort of mindset is so fucked. It's so horrible that I gave this person a pass on so many levels that you you could see like, and I'm thinking to myself, I remember saying to him, you're lucky that this was me. Cause then the second grab and it was a cup of my ass. Right. I was like, he just palmed my, my right butt cheek. So on that, I said, Hey, your hands are going in places where they should not. And he goes, Oh, I do, you know, cause he was drunk. He goes, Oh, I know. So he's fully aware. And I said, don't do that. And I said, you're lucky you're doing that with me because if this was someone else, you'd be canceled in the moment right now. And I thought about that sentence, right? Like coming from me, I was like, why would I say that you're lucky? Like I I thought about it and I go, you're still helping this guy who is, is doing like some fucked up shit. Like, we're, like i had to evaluate myself like as an older woman who's been like sort of swimming through the me the me too's movement and like wow this this is a younger generation they don't take that shit the moment there was like even a soft feeling on their ass they'd be like someone get that throat right cut. right <laughs>
1: I, I think i think because we have we're not i mean we're young but we're not that that sensitive, younger generation. I think that, you know, we're in this male-dominant industry. So we so used to them just sometimes doing and saying stupid shit. I think you just didn't really, you know, you just didn't really, I think we're just used to them being dumb. And being I
0: know, but it's it. not okay. That's the thing. It's really not, like, I had to, I was hearing all of my old, like, my thought processes through that whole thing, I had to acknowledge like, ooh, Marina, like, you know, you give yourself a break because you, like you said, you know, like we we're so used to it and we're not as sensitive. But then at the same time, it was like, but you need to correct this. Right,
1: right, right.
0: Like, so Mm -hmm. he knows not to, this is not what you, how he didn't know that. I
1: don't know. Yeah. And his ass needed to be corrected and I'm glad you did.
0: And then I found out afterwards, he didn't learn. He went on to grab five other girls.
1: Well, he just, so, well, um, see, so he just
0: stood there. Yeah. yeah. He was horny. <laughs> 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 and I have a picture of his hand, too. It's a very skeletal. It's not a good hand. Ew. Now, no. now I have been Shannon Sharp, which oh my God, that interview in that outfit, I was like, and that hair, he
1: lost <laughs> me on Thanksgiving. He had that dog in his lap at his Thanksgiving table, and I said. Mm-mm.
0: <laughs> Oh, see, I think he's sexy, but he had a dog at the <laughs> yes, Thanksgiving table. Yes, Marina,
1: and it just took me out. I was so disgusted. While he was praying, and the turkey, and the macaroni, and the yams, and everything's on the table, he got this dog sitting in his lap and just moving around. And all I could just think was, it's gonna be dog count the food. I just think that is so nasty. Oh
2: yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's just something we just you you know you can't have no dog at your grandmama table. Can you have a dog sitting there? Did you grow up with a dog in your lap at my a table? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. No,
0: my grandmother used to grandma moo my, my grandma's from Mississippi. My whole family's my grandfather's from Mississippi so my grandma named her white poodle Kunta Kinte Oh my god mm-hmm. <laughs> We loved Kunta, though. We mm-hmm. love some Kunta. I didn't even know that that was a weird name <laughs> for a dog until... We
1: loved some Kunta. I'm sorry.
0: I didn't know that was a weird name until I was in college. And I said, yeah, when Kunta... And they were like, wait, <laughs> whole, the whole room fell out. Everyone, you, you know, when they do the, the drag shows and you mm-hmm. see them doing the dance and then they just mm-hmm. fall. Like, they fell when I said, what? I just said we love Kunta. <laughs> I said, Marina, who is Kunta? <laughs> I said, Kunta Kente was the white poodle. But my grandmother loved Kunta. And Kunta would be on the side. Kunta always has some food. Sometimes we were jealous of the food that Kunta got right. you now. Mm-hmm. Now, Kunta mm-hmm. didn't sit at the table, but Kunta got like, you know, sweet potatoes yes. and some greens mm-hmm. and some chicken. Uh-huh.
1: But he wasn't at the table. Yeah, I, I said, I'd never eat at Shannon Sharp House. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a nice body. I will He be, I'll does have I like, eat if y'all get together, and get married, and I'll be like, all right, well, Marina ain't got no, no
0: doubt. Please, that guy. I, I, I see his taste. It's not me, but I have <laughs> dreams. Um, Angela Bassett, actress Angela Bassett, was celebrated for a lifetime of memorable roles as Hollywood's Film Academy handed out. An honorary Oscars on stage, accepting her trophy, Angela Bassett paid tribute to the ten black women who have won Academy Awards, naming each
2: one. Can you name each one? I okay. can't. Uh, I well, I looked them up. So okay, okay, well, I, name them. I, I I can't. Uh, I know Holly Berry. Uh, the the one. Holly who, McDaniels Yeah, um, uh, Viola Davis. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Olivia the, from The Maid, The Maid one, The Maid. Oh, Butler, Octavia. Yeah, Octavia Butler, Butler. yeah, Octavia <clears> throat> Butler. Throat> Sorry. Um, it's sad that there's only 10. Um, That's why I'd be so emotional when we get one. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Stace has left. She said today's session was informative and entertaining. As always, I have to log off now, but I want to wish all three of you and all of Marina's listeners peace and well-being. Love to you all.
2: Thank you, Stace. Oh, my God. She rocks. Yeah. Thank you, Stace. So she's
0: Mel Brooks also won that night. He won an Oscar for writing the screenplay for 1967 film The Producers. Now, she was nominated for two Oscars. Angela was the first was for her breakout role as Tina Turner in the 1993 What's Love Got to Do With It? And the second for playing Queen Ramonda in 2022's Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Yeah, everyone was upset she didn't get it that day.
2: Yeah. 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 I I just kind of felt like that. Well, first of all, this is a like a Lifetime Achievement Award. So she's 65 and. Mel Brooks is 97, so she's on the fast track to success. I mean, she's, like, not, you know. But the thing is, like, when I first heard I was like, I thought, like, she's just so young. Like, how can she be getting a Lifetime Achievement Award? Like, I mean, like, damn, that Black Girl Magic stuff is working for her because I didn't realize that she was, you know, I don't, I still feel like she's got, like, a a few more Oscar nominations ahead of her before she gets a Lifetime So I'm glad that she got it. But then I also thought about like, I was looking like at her, her, the breadth of work. And I mean, I love Angela Bassett, but I just, I don't know. I just felt like, like there's been some gaps and stuff. I mean, I just feel like that Oscar was more like sort of an oops Oscar for like not getting Mm -hmm. the Wakanda one, because I think that she deserved it for Wakanda. And I felt like maybe the Oscar Oscar um, board recognize that, but I just felt like overall, like I just felt, I looked at her, I, I mean, I looked at her, her filmography and I, I felt like there were just some dips and I mean, it was rich with like, you know, Tina Turner and some other things. Uh, Stella got her groove back, but I, I just felt, I just, I don't know. I just felt like that Oscar was more saying more about her work in Wakanda more than anything. Like, I I, I don't know. Like, I mean, why do you feel about like her filmography? I I love it because I love when
1: she was uh, Catherine Jackson in the Jackson 5 the American Dream y'all remember that okay Okay. I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to (laughs) (laughs) I wish my video was on but uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but you know I mean Wayne Tex Hale I mean she just she has done so freaking much like you said Stella got her groove back um and what else? Everything.
0: Yeah, I I feel like it was definitely needed, but I want her to still get one for a movie. Does Can she still get one if she does a movie that's really good? Or does that trump out?
2: I, I think if she gets voted, because you get voted on, so you get nominated and they can't like not nominate you. You know, you get nominated yeah, I on want by her your to body. Get one,
0: I want her to get one in real time as well. Mm.
1: hmm that's what I want. She was an, an ex when she, Uh, Betty Shabazz,
2: you um, know? Oh, yeah, she was. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah, she's been in she a was. lot.
0: I mean, she's definitely one of the most, you know, what's so amazing to me is how well we age, too. Like, I know that's like makes white w- women feel horrible when I say this, but like, listen, we, we deal with so much. Give us that. But I think that it's also like God's way of protecting us because it takes us so long to get things, to get like the rec- the the role or the, um, the accolades or the flowers from the world that God was like, just keep them looking the same. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I feel like the only thing that's like been a roadblock in everything I'm doing is this cancer thing. Like the medication that I'm on is completely changing like the way my skin is. I was like, I I would have had this Black Girl Magic stuff down. You know what I mean? I would have been like looking like 21, like four years ago, if it wasn't for like this hormone treatment that I'm on. So yeah, I'm trying to hang in there. You look good. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. I'm taking half a pill now. <laughs> but I want, I, you look great. You I, look great. You, do. you look and great. I, I, yeah. I, to go back to that uh, cancer
1: Barbie subject, I cannot believe that they did not have cancer Barbie. And they have, like, Down syndrome Barbie. Did y'all know that? Like yeah. Barbie in the wheelchair. How could they not? And it's pink. How could they not have cancer Barbie?
0: Especially after you see the Barbies that they did come up with the ideas that they did like pregnant Barbie. (laughs) Uh, Pregnant Barbie was just sitting there like, (laughs) (laughs) so they can come up with it. Now let's talk. We're going to talk about this last topic and get out real fast. Um, The federal officials investigating the Boeing's production of panels that blew off jet in mid flight. Now we fly as comedians. So this is terrifying. I just want everyone to know that the flight, the type of planes that they are is the Boeing 737 MAX <laughs> 9 jetliners. So you can always check your what type of plane you're flying, by the way, in those apps. The 63 pound door plug that blew off an Alaska Airlines MAX 9 was found near Portland, Oregon, and will be
1: examined. <laughs> Did you hear the story? Girl. Kashima I just would have died. Do you hear me? Because I, I, we fly all the time, but I am not that good of a flyer. One little bump. And I just, I'm just, i looking around. I got this whole little thing I like to do. I like to listen to the captain. I like for him to tell me if it's going to be a bumpy flight. You know what I mean? Like, I have my wine, my time, no PM. Girl, I would have died. I just would have died. <laughs> and and imagine like thank god that person that was sitting right there had their seatbelt on because you just would have just flew out
0: well the shirt was sucked off of one young man oh my god it was sucked his shirt was completely sucked off of
2: him yeah thank god he was in shape yeah and then he moved i don't understand he, he changed seats. I don't understand how he was able to do that, but he, he moved to seat. So. Well, how how well, was he able was to holding do that and that's the
1: plane?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he did that. And I think his, I think because his mom was holding him, I'm not sure. But I think about those infants that were on the plane. You know how the infants are with the pressure, cabin pressure. It's very difficult for their ears. Can you imagine with the panel off?
2: Um, how much, money, how much so, money do you think they should give those people? Are they suing? I wonder, they are right. I'm wondering how many bonus miles are they going to give those people? That's the key. <laughs> that's the thing.
0: Listen, it should be, it should be gold or no platinum for the rest of your life. All yeah, right. What? First class? That's that's what it should be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I won't. you can't always do first class, but let's do platinum. So you always get on the plane first. Yeah.
2: Even the guy who got the, the door fell into his backyard. Bonus miles.
1: Bonus miles. That's, yeah. But
0: on a different airline.
1: <laughs> okay, because I'm not flying them anymore and I want a couple of million dollars for my trip.
0: <laughs> it's funny because Alaska Airlines is, so this was Alaska Airlines. And so it says the investigation is focusing on the panel plugs the company uses to fill spots for extra exits when those doors are not required on Boeing 737 MAX 9 jetliners, the 63-pound door, 63 plug that blew off an Alaska Airlines met. The FAA, they said, this incident should have never happened and it cannot happen again. Duh! <laughs> then, this is Boeing's manufacturing practices need to comply with the high safety standards that are legally accountable to meet. I mean, all of this was coming... Right. Because we saw like after the pandemic, like there's no money and everyone's striking. And you knew they were cutting back in areas that were going to affect us when it comes to like infrastructure and stuff like trains and planes and automobiles. Like that's why we have trains derailing doors, ex the panel coming off a door. That's insane to me. Mm-hmm.
1: So scary. And I've and I've bungee jumped before. Oh, you have? Mm -hmm. I bungee jumped in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Didn't enjoy none of it. I was scared the whole time. (laughs) You were scared the whole time? time, All my pictures, because, you know, you get all the pictures and stuff. My face is just like, oh, my God. Just I just look toe up. Scared.
0: Yeah. What did yeah, that feel like? Your body? How did it, it feel? It was real
1: cold. I remember it being real cold up there. And um, of course, you know, I, I was, I was jumping with someone. Um, yeah, I don't know, child. I was screaming. I don't know how it felt. Was it fast? <laughs> yeah. The drop? yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Cause even when, cause see like, okay, so we jumped. And then he opened up the parachute. Right. And so then we were he was kind of like we were gliding and he was trying to get me to look at Disney World and the beach and this. And he was like turning, you know, the the parachute. But I just could not enjoy any of it. I was just like, get me down.
0: How fast? How like how long is that drop? Like how long were you in the air like
1: that? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm just if I could think back, maybe. Five, seven minutes, maybe longer. Wow. Wow. Because, like, when he opened up the parachute, it slows down and he has full control over how the parachute goes. And so it's like a glide. Yeah, we were just gliding because he was like, calm down. It's slow. Open your eyes. You're (laughs) missing it. (laughs)
0: How how many people are going to be carrying parachutes on these planes from here on out?
2: (laughs) Right. How, how, do you, how do you keep control of your bladder, like, when you do those jumps, those bungee jumps? Like, how do you... I
1: don't even know how I did that. And then they jump, like, they tell you, like, they're going to do it on three, but they actually do it on two.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, they scare you. Oh, they trick you. Yeah,
1: they trick you. And I don't know if, if that's to protect them, it might kind of make sense a little bit, because you never know how you're going to be on three, because you're. They, they know that you're scared, you know, so yeah.
0: I'll tell you, a lot of people are going to be passing on the exit uh, row. Okay, <laughs> forget the leg row. <laughs> on a United Airlines and Alaska Airlines, and Alaska Airlines used to send me, come on, come on, mm-hmm. like, I get mails from them, I get like, uh, Alaska kept, like, bothering me, I'm like, beat it, OK, I'm Delta. So anyway, we got to get out. I'm a Delta girl, too, I girl. I
1: only fly you. Delta. It's nice. If the children know how to act, you know, they have eight little laptops. There'll be no baby crying Delta.
2: Delta's, Delta's who I want to be. My biggest fear, though, of a plane is I know I already I'm, I, I realize the planes go down. But my, my biggest fear is just that person that takes off his shoes. I mean, that is my Fear on a plane like that. That one person takes off his shoes, cuts his toenails. Oh, and I would would tell. I would tell. They really
0: had. The most fun with both of you ladies today. This was Ashima. We got to get that camera working next time. I, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us for the first time, Ashima Franklin and Suzette Simon. Thank you for sharing everything that you shared today is going to be so helpful and useful. And they need to recognize Breast Cancer Barbie. They, they do, do
2: Suzette. Suzette. I want Breast yeah. Cancer Barbie to look so- like Suzette. Oh, you're sweet. You're so sweet,
0: Ashima. Thank you. Suzette, can you tell our listeners about your shows coming up, the ones you're producing?
2: Yes. Especially the one. Yes, I'd like everybody to know that I have shows with Brian Park. It took me five and a half years to get Brian Park to say yes to comedy. So I'm very excited. And guess who's going to be part of our show? Miss Marina Franklin. Amazing. Marina Franklin has said yes to doing it. So we have Wednesday nights, uh, January 17th, January 24th. That's when Marina will be appearing. And then uh, January 31st, and it's from 8 to 9 p.m. at The Lodge at Bryan Park. And I just want to say with friends like us, you'll always have friends that care about you and care about your boobs. Yes! yes! Ashima. Okay, well, I have
1: shows uh, this coming up weekend. I'm going to be at Comedy in Harlem. And um, on February the 18th, I'm going to have my birthday show at the stand. So I hope to see you guys come out for that. We're going to have so much fun. And uh, with friends like us, you can always come to my house and eat macaroni and cheese. <laughs> oh, that was the
2: best Friends Like Us ever.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies. Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. February 2nd, I'll actually be in Houston. Yes, at Houston. Go to my website, marinafranklin.com and get those tickets for um, the comedy space in Houston. Also, on February 10th, I will be in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania at the Still Stacks art center it's a lovely space if you've ever been to bethlehem pennsylvania uh, you know there's the the still stacks is like old steel refinery it's like old industry it's really cool so come and check me out there and uh, always listen to the podcast please and with friends like us you can find out about how to advocate for yourself, for your health care, because friends like us want you to put the care back into health care. So, thank you. Check, check us, us out! Check us out.